0: Well, I greet you once again and <clears throat> welcome you to our time of worship. Uh, the last time that we were were gathering, we were talking about the role of members in the church. And today, we will be concluding our, our brief study of the role of pastors and members in the local church. Uh, last week, when we gathered on the Lord's Day, we considered seven points concerning the role of members in the local church Uh, To review quickly, we first learned that members of the body of Christ are recognizable. When the apostles wrote their letters to the local churches, they wrote with specific, identifiable members in mind. We gave a number of examples from the scriptures where the apostles address specific believers who are worshiping in specific local churches. With this point, we made a case for church membership. Secondly, we learn that the body of Christ is called to be an educated body. Pastors have been gifted by Christ to help equip the saints, the people of Christ, with right knowledge, right doctrine, or right theology. It is our task to equip the saints with right theology. The saints are to be equipped with right knowledge of God's word. It is a responsibility of, I'm going to say this a lot, pastor elders... I'm using those words interchangeably. Amen? They are they are the same. Pastor elders, So I'm using them the same. To be equipped with right doctrine and in turn equip the saints with right doctrine. We are to be equipped with right, right doctrine. And then therefore equip you with right doctrine. Right knowledge. Thirdly, we learn that the body of Christ is to be a receptive body. When uh, you feed the body good food. The body responds in a great way. When you feed the body bad food, the body is unhealthy. The church should be receptive of God's word because it is good food being fed to you week after week. Since by instruction, pastors are to ground the people of God in the truth of God, to protect them from error, the sheep ought to be eager to receive instruction from their pastor elders. We are to protect you not only from error... But from false teachers who would bring erroneous teachings into your lives. Therefore, when we suggest preachers to you that you should listen to, receive that. When we suggest to you, preachers you shouldn't receive wouldn't you shouldn't receive or listen to, receive that. Pastors are trying to protect and help you grow in Christ. That's why you have pastors. If you don't want to be protected or told this is what you should listen to. This is what you should avoid. Then you don't want pastors. Amen? We should all desire instruction as the apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 2-2, like newborn babies. We should desire instruction like newborn babies long for the pure milk of God's word. We must desire truth to be protected from error. We must be eager to receive God's word. We must pray that the Lord add knowledge to the knowledge that we possess and make that which we possess even clearer. Fourthly, we learn that in order for the body of Christ to be the body, its members must be present. You don't have a body, a full, complete body, if there are missing parts. Amen. We must view ourselves as parts of a whole. We must view ourselves as a member of the local church who makes up the whole body of the local church. And the bodies function together. When the bodies are together, they function together for the building up of the whole. That's what we do. Last week, we discussed how we are not feet and hands and ears and eyes that are disconnected from the rest of the body. For how can a foot function properly apart from the body? And likewise, how can the body function properly apart from the foot? When the people of God assemble for worship on the Lord's day, it should be our highest priority to assemble, to worship and glorify God because we love God, because we love his word, we love his commands, we love his church, we are a part of his church. But when the body is not present, then there is, the body is in a sense disabled. It can't function to its fullest capacity when all of its members are not present. Amen. Fifthly, we learn that the body of Christ is to be active. The pastor proclaims the truth. The body hears. The pastor helps the body to uh, see right doctrine. The church, by the Spirit of God, practices that right doctrine, and then speaks that right doctrine to the other members. There is, as, as I said last week, and we'll speak about this again today. There is no. There is nothing of only exclusive personal receiving of God's word when we gather as a church there is a personal and together receiving of God's word when we gather it is our highest ambition to glorify God and to stir one another up to love and good deeds this is our ambition this is what we do this is the chief and primary way that you and I can be active members in the local body of Christ amen sixthly we learn that the true mark of the body of Christ is the love that the saints have for one another. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another to love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Apostle gives a command of the Holy Spirit with an imperative. I implore you, To walk in a manner as such. If we are truly the people of God, then we must conduct ourselves in a way that is humble, that is long-suffering, that is patient, that is loving toward one another as we speak the truth in love. What we do affects or who we are affects what we do. What we do is based upon who we are. We are to walk in a manner that is humble, gentle, patient, tolerant. For we have been united by the Spirit of God. It was the plan of God to bring a particular people together for His own praise and for His own glory. We have been given, forgiven of sins. We've been given, we've been uh, knitted together with others to carry out God's plan in all of history. This is God's plan. You sitting here this morning. This is God's plan. That He would bring a people together. So if this is God's plan, we're always trying to find out what is God's will for my life. If this is God's plan, Then we should be a people who rejoice in this plan, in this time, for this is the plan of God, to knit a people together, that we speak the truth and love together as we learn and understand truth. This is God's plan. So rejoice in God's plan. He's bringing together people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. We are together in this room for the purpose of glorifying God. We are witnesses to the great gospel of Jesus Christ. Then we leave this place and we take that witness out into the world. And this takes effort. But the effort or the, the effect is worth the effort. What it produces is worth all of the work that it takes. And it does take work. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. <laughs> this is why the apostles uh, makes a great plea. I implore you. Because our unity in Christ is much bigger than our personal differences. We must love each other. Amen. And lastly, we learn that in all of this, Christ displays His love and care for the church. Christ has not left us. He is caring for us. As the Word of God is preached to us, through the means of grace, through the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, through fellowship with the saints, Christ is with us. This is what the body of Christ, we, the body of Christ, are called to do and called to be because of who we are. Last week, we discussed the The functions of the body, not as individuals, but as a body. This week, with God's help, we will discuss the function of the body. Listen, not as a body, but as a temple. You hear that? This week, we will discuss the function of the body, not as a body. We're taking this a step further, but as a temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will be will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work, if any man's work, which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet as, but yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells within you? This is the reading of God's word. Please be seated. This will not be a detailed exposition of a text. We will draw implications from this text and then apply them to our own sermon for today. If you are taking notes on how to prepare a sermon, this is not that 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 day. This is not the day for you to learn how to do that. Amen? This will be a kind of uh, concluding thoughts from the past two weeks. This is, uh, again, final thoughts over the past two weeks. Today I would like to consider with you two points. Number one, the church is the house of God, the new covenant temple of God. The church is the house of God, the new covenant temple of God. I'll say that last one last time. The church is the house of God, the new covenant temple of God. And if you would, once again, look at First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. For we, the apostle says, that is plural, speaking of believers, but specifically speaking of the apostles, we are God's fellow workers. And then he goes to you. You are God's field. You speaking of believers or the body of Christ. He says you are God's field and then he says you are God's building. The apostle uses interesting language. The apostle refers to the body of Christ first as God's field. Why would the apostle refer to the body of Christ as a field? And and notice, not fields. You are God's field, not buildings. You are God's building. You should be asking, where is Paul drawing this language from? He's using this language for a reason. He's not coming up with something new. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is, uh, for those of you who are going through our biblical preaching class, he's alluding to something. There's an illusion taking place. Remember that 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 word that we use, illusions? He's alluding to something. He's doing biblical theology in relation to the church. So then what is Paul alluding to when he uses the phrase field? Well, where else has the Bible stated that God has a field of some sort or a land of some sort that is exclusively his? Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east. When the apostle says that we are God's field, he is using Edenic language. He he is using garden language in one sense. What was the Garden of Eden? We've learned this already in Genesis. What, what What do we believe the Garden of Eden was? We believe it was a temple. That the Garden of Eden was the first temple of God, planted by God, established by God, Paul is likening the church, the body of Christ that we've been talking about for these past two weeks. He is likening the church to the Garden of of Eden, planted by God. Now, what was so unique about the temple or the Garden of Eden? It was the unique place on all of the earth where God manifested his special presence. The Garden of Eden was, we believe, the temple of God, the first temple. And it was the place of God's special dwelling, the place where God uniquely manifested his presence on the earth. The apostle continues with his allusions in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. He says, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. And then he says, God's building. God's field, comma, God's building. The apostle goes from describing the church as a field to describing the church as now a building. But but not just saying any building. God's building. Now, if the field of God is an allusion to the garden temple of the Old Testament, then what must Paul be alluding to now when he says that we are God's temple now? Or building the the building is an allusion to the temple. The temple is the place of worship in the Old Testament. We are the field of God. We are the building of God. In effect, we are the temple of God. God is the cause of, of all of this. Well, we're going to tease this out in just a moment. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. Ephesians two nineteen. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building, the whole building being fitted together is growing into a temple of the Lord. In whom you, there's that you again, are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. Do you see that? The apostle speaks of believers as no longer being aliens or strangers. but We are citizens of God's house. The apostle then takes it a step further. We are not only citizens of God's house. Listen to this. This is very important. We are not only citizens of God's house. We are God's house. Do you hear that? The foundation of the house is the teachings of the apostles, the teachings of the prophets. Christ is the cornerstone. He holds it all together. The building is being fitted together, being brought together, one stone upon another. God is constructing his holy temple, a place where the spirit of God uniquely dwells with the people of God. What is Paul speaking of he's alluding to the temple the place of worship in the Old Testament the place of worship in the Old Testament the temple Was a unique place of God's special presence the people came They offered sacrifices the priest offered up those sacrifices on behalf of the people They gathered together to read to hear to be exhorted from God's word to sing the praises of God and when they did this in that manner God met with his people in a unique way. The apostle is alluding to the temple of the Old Testament. And now listen to this. Now applying that unique place of the presence of God. To now the gathering of the local church when we gather in his name. So we talked about the priest and what they did in the Old Testament. They gathered, they offer sacrifices. The priest offer up sacrifices on behalf of the saints, so on and so forth. And then when they did these things, God met with his people when they obeyed God in the way he commanded them to worship. And Paul is saying in the same way that God was with those people in the Old Testament as they gathered in the temple. So God is with his people now in the New Testament as the the local churches. And gather together and worship God according to the way that He has prescribed and commanded them to worship. Are you getting this? When the, uh, the Ephesians gathered together for worship, there among them, God was constructing His holy temple, where His spirit dwelt among men in a unique and special way. This was not only true for the local church that met in Ephesus, but it is true for all the churches that gather and assemble to worship God. Listen to this. As long as they are gathering and assembling and then worshiping in the manner in which he has commanded. This is called the regular principle. First, or First Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. Listen to this. And coming to him. Listen to this. As to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as a living stone. You, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for the holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sac What kind of sacrifices? Spiritual sacrifices. Acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The apostle describes the people of God as living stones. Again. What is he speaking of? We're a bunch of stoners here. We're stones. I don't know. That just came out. (laughs) Peter is alluding to the very thing that Paul was alluding to. Paul is alluding to the temple of the Old Testament. The temple which was comprised of what? Stones. The temple of the Old Testament was built one stone upon another. And the temple still stood at that particular time. But there was something uniquely different about the temple that stood when Peter was preaching and what Peter was speaking of. Peter was saying, I'm not talking about that temple anymore. That's, that temple is built with stones. Now I'm speaking about the church. The church is the temple of God comprised of not dead stones, but living stones. And these stones construct the temple of God. The stones there carry no life. The stones there Carry or, or do not indwell the presence of God. The church now does. The people of God are the living stones. That when we gather, we are constru- we are being constructed by God. We are being brought together by God to build the temple of God, the special dwelling place of God on earth. When we gather for worship, this is what we do when we gather. So that this, this, end, these things that we talked about last week, we're taking them a step further and saying now when we gather corporately, we love each other, we do all those things, but there's something even bigger going on when we gather corporately. God's special dwelling is among his people as he is constructing his temple for worship. When you wake up in the morning, you are stones being brought together by God to build his special dwelling place. Think about that. Think about that. Think about the, the the lamentations of Jeremiah when they see the temple that has been destroyed and deconstructed what was his great lamentation the house of god has been destroyed and think about you when we refuse to join with the saints we are in a sense leaving the building unfinished when we gather for worship we are construct we are, we are being constructed by god as the temple of god Peter, like Paul, is using figurative language. We are not actual stones. We know that. But the apostles are using this language to tell us, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that in the same way, the temple of the Old Testament was a unique place where God manifested His presence. So now the church is the unique place where God manifests His special presence among His people when they gather for worship. We, the local church... And local churches are living stones, again, that are being built up by God. And he is building his spiritual house when we worship. Listen to this. The house is being built by God. The house is being maintained by God. And the house will be completed by God. Now, is this building the house of God? We often say, don't lie, you're in church. Is there something unique about this building? We've made this building to be a particular home for some of us. Ray's never going to leave this building. We may be particularly fond of this building. Ray was here before us and he'll be here after us. He does. We may be particularly fond of this building because in it houses some great experiences that we've had. But is this building unique because of the experiences that we've had or is this building unique because it is the house of God? There is nothing especially about this building. There is speci- there is nothing unique about this building. There's nothing special about this building. Meaning when, when Paul is speaking about a building, when Peter is speaking about a building, they're, they're, they're not speaking of a literal building. They're not speaking of a literal place. They're speaking of the people of God. We may be in awe of new buildings. Can I say that again slowly? We may be. We may be in awe of new buildings. We, we may be impressed with state-of-the-art facilities. But we must not for one second believe That God only manifests His presence within the state of the art facilities or even ancient church buildings topped with steeples that have stood for centuries that God must really be in there. We would be making the same mistake as the Hebrew Jews today who are still waiting for the temple of God, a temple to be built so that once again God can return. God is not contained within a building. The early church did not assemble in grand buildings. And so grand buildings could not be what Peter or Paul were speaking of when they taught that the building of God was the temple of God. The special dwelling place of God, because these people met in houses. They met in upper rooms and they were saying, when we meet in this up in those upper rooms, when we meet in these houses, God's special dwelling place is there among us. That is the temple of God. We could gather in a park. And there we would be the temple of God. We could gather in a house. And there we would be the temple of God. We could gather on a street corner. And there we would be the temple of God. As long as we are gathering in the ways that God has commanded for us to gather. And as long as it is within the context of this is church. Don't say with your friends who are meeting for lunch. Hey, we're two or three are gathered. God is here in our name. That's not church. Why? Because you all gathered, first of all, to have lunch. Now, if we had two or three people and we gathered on the Lord's Day and we gathered and worshiped God according to the ways and means in which he has commanded, we are having church. But don't go to your, your families and, and say, we had church tonight. No, you didn't. You had a birthday party and you guys talked a little bit about God. You didn't have church. Brothers and sisters, we are the house of God. The church, when we gather, is the place where God manifests His presence or where God reveals His unique presence on the earth. We know that God is ever-present, right? God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. And yet, when we gather and worship Him as He has commanded, God communicates the reality of His presence in ways other than the general idea of His omnipresence. Meaning this, when we gather to worship God in the way that God has commanded, he is with us in a different way than he is with us all the time. We know that God is always with us. But when we gather in this way and in this manner, he's with us in a uniquely different way. Might I say, this unique or special presence does not mean does not mean that we are looking to recreate Acts chapter 2. It does not mean that we are looking to hopefully have someone stand up, start speaking in tongues and fire, tongues of fire being above our head. We're not trying to recreate that. The unique presence of God does not mean that I nor any of the other elders will suddenly say, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. Line up. Let me lay hands on all of you. If that happens, rebuke us. Some of you are looking at me like, that's, that's weird. Well, that's what I grew up with. Sorry. So then what does it mean? What does the special, unique presence of God mean? When we gather in accordance with God's word, in accordance to God's word, the local church functions as a special dwelling place of God among his people. But what does that mean? We're going to talk about that in our next our next point. But have you thought about when you are preparing yourself to gather with the saints for worship on the Lord's day? that that you are actively preparing yourself to join with the saints to assemble the temple of God God is 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 bringing his people together his bride together his temple together and as you assemble the temple of God is being prepared we we actively gather we actively obey all that that has been discussed last week and all that has talked about in between and when we do God meets with us as we gather according to his word. There's a passive element. There's an active element to this and there's a passive element to this. We come, we gather. And when we gather, God meets with us. And we can do nothing about that. We, we, can, we cannot bring that apart. We cannot bring that to be God meets with us when we gather. What are we doing Sunday? According to the scriptures, we are being brought together by God to form the temple of God. The house of God. What are we doing on Sunday? We're forming a temple with, of God. God is forming his temple, the saints. When we leave here, is this place a temple? Is this place the the special dwelling place of God? No, it's just a building. And it's really hot in here if you come other than. The house of God is created in one sense every single week. Every week we gather for worship of God, to to lift up Christ, to, to preach the great gospel of Christ. And then we are dispersed. And sent out into the world to make the gospel known to the nations. And there was a time coming in, listen to this, in the eternal state. When the entire earth will be the special manifestation of God. And his presence will be exclusively on this earth. Because all of God's enemies and all of our enemies have been defeated. Dr. Richard Barcelos on this point. The church is the house of God. Now listen to this. Being God's house, the church houses God. Did you hear that? The church is the house of God. Being the house of God or being God's house, the church houses God. Now, you should automatically be saying, wait a minute. So then he goes on. Not that God is contained, but that God manifests himself in a peculiar way. When the church, local church, gathers and functions as they ought, that is not producible by any other spheres of life. No other avenues in your life can produce what is being produced right now by God. Did you know that God is with us right now? Our gatherings are more like the eternal state than any other experience or gathering that we have on the earth. When we gather with our families, God is not with us in the same way that he is with us right now as we worship. When we go to root for our favorite teams, when we go to concerts, God is not with us in the same sense that he is with us right now. And he is with us. When the church gathers, when the church assembles as the body and functions according to God's word, God is with us. We gather as priests. We offer spiritual sacrifices. We commune with God and God is with us. John Murray on this point, there is surely in the gathering of the people of God, a presence that cannot be duplicated in any other exercise. Under the Old Testament, there was a the tent of meeting. Why was it such? They're the people of God met with God. Jesus is now the tabernacle. And he fulfills that which the tabernacle and Israel was both a symbol and the anticipation of. When we gather, it is a reminder and an encouragement to the people of God. Before the eternal state. Before eternity. That God is manifesting himself to us in a unique way. He's meeting with us in a unique way. A way that you can't get anywhere else. And we passively receive. We don't create this unique manifestation or special presence of God. It comes to us. We enjoy it. We receive it. Uh, The old uh, Dutch reformers used to say, this is the, 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 the divine service. Because it is here that the divine met with his people. God. And we are receiving. God does this as his people gathers. And dear ones, let this be an encouragement to you. Let this be an encouragement to me in the times that we are discouraged. Let this be an encouragement to you and to me when we are tempted to, to forsake the assembling of the saints. Let, us be re, uh, let this be a reminder to us that there is a divine service taking place where God is meeting with His people. And I can't get it laying in bed. I can't get it on the podcast. I need to be there with the people of God because it is there where God manifests His special and unique presence among His people. You can't get it anywhere else we come and gather with the saints and god's presence is with us he is with us as we gather it is his special manifestation now you may be wondering again now you didn't answer this what is the unique special manifestation of the presence of god what is that you never answered that well let's try to answer that number two we worship as god commands and when we do god is with us Just leaning further into that first that that point we worship as God commands or as God is regulated. And when we do, God is with us. Because the church is the house of God, the church must do what the God of the house says or what the God of the house commands. First Timothy three fifteen. I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth. The apostle writing so that we may know how to conduct ourselves in the house of God. As the house of God. The apostle gives instructions to the church or to the house of God on holding fast to right doctrine. Praying. Petitions. Thanksgiving, women in the church, requirements for elders and deacons, church discipline, and a host of necessary functions for the house of God. So what we're doing is we're teasing out as we gather and worship God in the way that he commands, God meets with his people. So what we're doing is saying, what has God commanded? If we want to meet with God, if we want to experience this special, unique presence of God, then we must know. What has God commanded? Because it is as we obey what He has commanded that He meets with His people. Amen. We are the house of God. It is here to use the illusion of the Old Testament that we conduct, it's gonna sound weird, but listen, where we conduct priestly activity. It is here that we conduct priestly activity. Why? Because we, in all caps, we are priests. You and you and you too I'm looking at women we are priests when we gather, we are priests being built up, building a spiritual household where we offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable through Christ and according to his word we are priests, even the women isn't that what Peter calls you? First Peter 2: nine but you plural are a chosen race, a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light you are priest even you women there is a, a corporate identity that when we gather as the church we together as a church are the priest of god and we together offer sacrifices to god now you should be asking what kind of sacrifices do we offer well, didn't the apostles already say they're spiritual sacrifices? Because we have no goats, unless you have them in the car. We have no lambs. We have no bulls. Psalm 51.7 says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. The Lord makes us aware of our great and desperate need for us. We confess our sins and then we come to him. The only one who was able to rescue us from our sin, A- and we offer up ourselves. The Apostle Paul takes this further in Romans twelve two, twelve one. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as what? As living sacrifices. To present your body as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is what? Your spiritual worship. The way that you worship God is to offer up your bodies. That is the whole of your body. It's being present for worship. That is your mind. When you are sitting here during worship, your mind is actively engaged in understanding God's word. This is, And I don't mean to say this to you men who are having arms around your wives. I'm not talking about you. So relax. Don't get mad at me. This is not cuddle time. Those of you who have have not been here long enough, I can remember there was a couple that the wife would just rest all and nestle into her husband. And it's like, I'm preaching God's word. This is not the movie theater. This is not the drive in. This is God's word. Lean into God's word. Hear what the preacher is saying, because insofar that you believe the preacher is being faithful to God's word, it is Christ speaking to you. It's not. Let me slow down. Offer up your bodies as living sacrifice. That is your heart. You are actively fanning the flame of desire for God's word through hearing the, the word of God preached to you and then saying, I must obey that. I must obey that. This is accomplished, yeah, in flesh, but by the work and power of the Spirit of God. Offer up your bodies. Come, ready for worship. Not falling asleep. And if you are falling asleep... Pinch yourself hard somewhere. Uh, I suggest right under here. Or, or right in the inner thigh. Those are good places to, to smart you for a little bit. Wake up. This is God's word being taught now. Christ is speaking to his church. God's presence is with us. This is not the time. This is not the time to doze off. This is not the time to be easily distracted. It's not the time to get up and go to the restroom for the seventh time. Unless you're pregnant and Leela, who's back there... Lila, if you hear me, it's okay for you. (laughs) We must offer up our bodies. This is what we're here for. To worship God. Hebrews 13, 15, through him, let us continue, continually offer up what? A sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips and give thanks to his name. Uh, These are not old covenant sacrifices. They are new covenant sacrifices. We actively do all these things as the new covenant temple of God. In our first point, we spoke about this passive presence of God when we gather. Now, this is the more active uh, element of this, meaning this is what we do when we gather. This is what God has commanded. So this is what we do. And when we do these things, God has said he will manifest his presence with us. What we do when we gather is not merely receive and leave. We are to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And this also includes prayer. This includes singing unto the Lord. Last week, uh, Anthony prayed during the liturgy, uh, let us sing loud. It may pass by some of our ears, but not mine. Let us sing loud. That's what we are to do when we gather Don't let Nazareth sing louder than you. We offer worship, not with a whisper, with a joyful declaration. Because this is what God has commanded. Sing to the Lord. I don't have a good voice. I don't either. Let's just sing together. We'll both sound terrible. But God has given us these voices to praise him, to glorify him. What does the Bible command? Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. This is another one another command. With psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I don't like to sing. I don't like my voice. I don't like my neighbor's voice. doesn't matter. Sing. God has commanded this. And when we sing with joyful hearts, God is present with his people. Ephesians 5.19 commands the same. These are the one another's that we often overlook. Sing. Spiritual songs, hymns to God. To God, but also for the edification of the body. This is what we do when we gather. It it encourages me to hear the saints of God sing how firm a foundation. Sing, turn your eyes upon jesus sing rock of ages and when we sing we sing songs that are rich in theology songs that are biblically true we offer up sacrifices because we are the priest of god we do what we do because we are who we are god receives these tokens of worship these these sacrifices of adoration and faithfulness he receives them as true worship simply by the fact that we've been saved by christ because Christ has saved us. We are Christians. And we gather as priests a part of the temple that is gathering to, pray, to to worship God. And we pray. We sing and we pray. The offering of prayers in the church is prophesied by Isaiah in Isaiah 56. And commanded in First Timothy chapter 2. Listen to this. Prayers solicited by the apostles. Which assumes that the church prayed. Regulated by the apostles in First Timothy chapter 2. And exemplified in the book of Acts. Brothers and sisters, if something is prophesied. Commanded, regulated, and exemplified—it's something we should do. John Bunyan said, "You can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you've prayed." Amen. Prayer is not garnished to be pushed to the side in the church. Prayer is a main entree. Yeah. When we when we gather, you'll hear we pray. God bless the service. We pray a prayer of adoration. We pray a prayer of of confession. We pray a prayer of thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but I never grew up in a church where there was that much praying. In one service. And your children will will be raised with praying, hearing prayers. Always the church was praying. We must be a people who pray. It's been prophesied, commanded, regulated, and exemplified by God in His Word. We practice baptism. The Lord's Supper. For we have been also commanded to do these things in the church. We practice church discipline. For the church also is commanded by Scripture to practice church discipline. I believe it was uh, two weeks ago, we made a strong case for preaching God's word from the elders, by the elders. Then last week, receiving God's word by the body. That also is commanded by God. So do you see how we're, we're putting together all these things that God has commanded? And when we do all these things, God is with us. Now, when we do all these things, Christ is with us in a unique way. Still I haven't answered that yet, have I? Listen close. The unique presence of God is not a physical manifestation. But a literal, spiritual manifestation and reality of God's presence. Christ is present with us as we gather with the saints on the Lord's day. This day has been set apart It's been prophesied, commanded, regulated, and exemplified in Scripture. And when we obey the commands of God and gather in this way, the Spirit of Christ is with His people in a way that He is not with us throughout the rest of the week. When we pray according to His Word, Christ is there helping us pray. For we don't know what we should pray. Christ is in blessing that prayer that He has helped us pray. When we sing, Christ is present with us, receiving the glory that is due his name. When we preach faithfully, Christ is with us insofar as the pastor is faithfully preaching God's word. The pastor is being used by Christ and the people are being helped by Christ to receive the word of Christ. He's speaking to his people. He's he's softening hearts that we might grow up. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, Christ is with us fellowshipping with us in a unique way, in a way that that he's not fellowshipping with us in other meals that we take throughout the week. When we practice church discipline, Christ is with us, affirming the right judgments of the church who act on behalf of heaven. When we declare what God has declared in heaven, when we deny what God has denied in heaven, Christ is there with us, affirming those decisions. This is the unique way in which God manifests his presence with us. We're not going to look into the air duct and say, oh, dust is coming out. There's God. Sounds weird. It's happened. Not here. For those of you who like Jesus' culture. We will not be looking. There's handwriting on the wall. God is here. Or if we have a church fellowship, you're not going to see God in a tortilla. A tortilla. He's not with us in a tangible physical sense but in a spiritual sense this demands that we are educated we must know what a church is and as we do we will know what a church is supposed to do when we gather if you don't know what a church is and what it's supposed to do then you and i will be spiritually impoverished and we will be susceptible to counterfeits we don't know what a church is what a church is supposed to do then we will be swayed left and right well that looks like a good one i'll go there that looks like fun i'll go there ignorant people not stupid just unlearned, they will attend churches and leave churches for reasons unregulated and not commanded by god i love the ban at that church i'm gonna go The preacher, oh, the preacher. Don't know what he's talking about, but he sure believes it. And he only preached for 20 minutes. The children have such a great time. The building is so great. They have a coffee shop. Oh, there are so many people there. I love it. I recently did a job where a customer said concerning their church, it's the perfect church perfect church. They have something for everyone. They said, you can be as involved as you like, or as invisible as you like. And I thought, that's strange. Who wants to go to church to be invisible? And people will leave churches for unregulated reasons. All these things in reverse. I don't like the songs. I don't like the preaching. I don't like the location. The people are too involved in my business, right? Did they preach Christ? Was God exalted from his word? And did they preach Christ faithfully? If they did so, then that's what matters. We must not attempt to to create necessities in the church that the Bible does not regulate. And we have been trained by churches to expect things in our services that people can get outside of service. That people can get other places. Churches have trained unbelievers to uh, expect them to come into their churches and experience something similar to what they experience at a ball game or at a concert or at a party. And it's pure consumerism. And churches begin with that premise. Let's go out into the community. Let's, let's take a survey and see what everybody likes what everybody doesn't like, and then we'll give them what, we, what they like and take away what they don't like. You don't like long sermons? Great, we'll shorten it up. Oh, you don't like hymns? We'll try to give you something more contemporary. And if we can't do that, we'll have two services, a traditional service and a contemporary service. What is that? It's not the body of Christ being the body of Christ. It's catering to felt needs. It's pure consumerism. I don't care how big we ever get. We will only ever have one service. Because this is the body of Christ. And we meet at this time. And if you can't make it at this time, then go find another place to worship. This is the body of Christ. This is when we meet. This is when we gather. This is what we do. Because this is who we are. Rick Warren has the approach, those of you who have ever... And you can repent now. Whoever ever read Purpose Driven Life. Oh, that's a lot of laughs. A lot of repenting going on, brother. We need to do confession again. That was the way he began his church. Go into the community. Canvas the community. See what they like. See what they don't like. Give them what they like. Take away what they don't like. And now his church. Well, I don't know about it now because people are starting to read the Bible. Was a mega church at a time. One of the biggest churches in all of America at one time. The church is, is training believers and unbelievers to expect concerts. Cool, hit pastors who come up with sandals. And I used to do that. Come up with sandals. And forget the pulpit. Let's use a music stand. And let me not stand behind the pulpit as to only draw attention to God's word. Let me come around and just come down your aisle, as my dad used to say. This seems weird, me being doesn't. Yeah, it's drawing too much attention to myself. Pastors who don't share God's word. They just want to share their heart. Let me share my heart with you this morning. I don't want to hear what's in your heart. Your heart is deceitfully wicked. Tell me what God's word says. Non-threatening, non-confrontational language. Don't use sin. We're just broken. But the Bible says that we are dead in sin trespasses. That we are victims or that we have uh, 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 rebelled against God's holy command. We are not victims. We are the perpetrators. We've been taught to expect, no coffee! Where's the coffee? No donuts! You ever thought about having a coffee shop? No, you ever thought about reading God's Word? (laughs) Youth hangouts, nothing wrong with coffee. Coffee's not a sin, sorry. Coffee, we might have coffee one of these days, it's not a sin, okay? But let's get together with Starbucks and see if we can have some kind of collaboration. We've been taught to expect youth hangouts where youth do more than hang out. They hook up and not to God's word, but with one another. We've been taught to have churches should have cutting edge, cutting edge ideas. It's not who the church is called to be. They can get that outside the church. I can remember a church that I visited in L.A. Uh, my brother Tony would know that church if he was here. The pastor was old. But he wanted to be young and hip. The announcements were given. But before I do this, guys, before I tell these announcements, hey, watch this video. It would cut to a short little, hey, guys, commercial that they put together. And I'm sitting there. It's dark. And I'm watching the commercial. I said, wow, this is entertaining. Funny, the commercial would be short. It'd be funny. We're talking about uh, talking about an upcoming event. So sign up, guys. All right. Yeah, let's give him a hand. Special guest singer would come. And we would all be in awe of B.B. Winant's. One man singing, everybody in all watching. Wow, he's great. The pastor would then come, preach a sermon. Hey, I want to talk to you guys today about this. But before I do that, I want to show you some, what people in the world think. Or what people on the street think. Show some video of people. Hey, so what do you think about God? Oh, God is, and everybody would laugh. Hey guys, this is what the church think. This is what the people think. And then give a sermon. Short sermon. Funny topic. Funny ideas. Some little uh, nuggets for life in between. What's the goal? To keep you entertained. And entertained I was. <laughs> I was ignorantly entertained. Because I didn't know what a church was supposed to be. And what a church was supposed to do. And you might say well well, that sounds cool. But has it been commanded by God? Has it been commanded by God? Pastors Zay preached on the regular principle a few months ago go back and listen to that sermon in that sermon he talked about the normative principle and that is this well if god hasn't commanded it then why can't we do it think about that that's a wrong way to reason If there is any place that should be otherworldly, it should be the gathering of the saints who are offering up praises, offering up spiritual sacrifices, believing in moral absolutes, absolutely trusting in the word of God. This is not the ball game. is not a movie theater. is not a concert. Someone got offended not too long ago when I said we should not be coming to the church dressed like the world. And I meant by that we should not be coming wearing our, our, our NBA basketball jerseys or our, our baseball jerseys when we come here. Wear that to the game. This is a time of worship and, and, and a time where we together come together and glorify God. The person said I was being legalistic. I'm not being legalistic. I'm saying, think about what you're coming to do. Think about what this place is. I see you all are dressed differently. Your, your dress is saying there's something different happening here today. You're just acknowledging it on the outside. Now, there are people who dress outwardly wonderful and who are practicing sin. I understand that. There will always be tares among the wheat. But we must say this time of worship is different. This time of worship is absolute. It's not like anything else that I experience outside here. It's different. This is the gathering of the saints, the gathering of the priests who are offering up spiritual sacrifices to worship our God. These functions demand that we are engaged. We've already spoken about this, but we're often uninterested, disengaged, easily distracted. Be involved in this church. Engage your listening as the word is is read and preached. Engage your, your minds and hearts as prayers are being prayed. As we sing, as the word is preached, be engaged. And these functions also demand that we are an unmoving church we must not fall prey to the fads and trends of the day. We must not believe that the things that are fashionable are the things that we must adopt in our worship for the sake of keeping in step with the culture. We don't want unbelievers to come into this church and say, hey, this church is in touch with the culture. They're in step. We must not compromise our preaching, our songs, our prayers, our reading of Scripture, our church discipline, the Lord's Supper, baptism, for the sake of being in step with the trends of the day. And we must not be moved when our churches are smaller, small in number, while others seem to be bursting at the seams. We must not be moved when those who once walked with us no longer walk with us. We must not be tempted to say, well, maybe I should go too. Why? Why? Is God's word being preached? Is God's word not being faithfully exhorted every single... Why would you go? Are you here for God or are you here for friends? Are you here because your family is here or are you here because God is here? Stand on what you know God has commanded. Stand on the truth that is being taught. Stand in knowing that what... That our, that our worship is acceptable to God because it is not fashioned in such a way that it might draw goats and wolves, but it is fashioned in such a way that it might draw the sheep. And if we are to change, it will be a change towards God's word, not away from God's word. Since this church has been in existence for nine years, the Lord has continually drawn us closer and closer to him and his word. Those of you who have been around that long know that. Been many changes in this church. But they have not been changes away from God's word. They have always been changes towards God's word. Some of you who were here before and now have come back, you realize this is a a different church. And change is hard. Change challenges our traditions. It challenges our assumptions. It challenges all of our presuppositions. But if we are to be changed, we are to be changed into what God has commanded And if we are being changed into what God has commanded then to God be the glory. You should not want pastor elders who are not expounding God's word, only sharing their heart. You should not want songs that are more filled with guitar and drum solos than the pure milk of God's word. You should not want churches whose calendars are filled with entertaining events for the sake of entertaining its people. But you should want to be filled or be in a church whose calendar is filled with events or gatherings of the saints where the people can grow in Christ. Brothers and sisters, churches that conduct themselves in the opposite way, churches that conduct themselves in order to to cater to the culture, they have an, an, an identity crisis. They don't know who they are. And for so long in this church, we were on that road of trying to find out who are we. Who are we? And now we know who we are. And we won't be moved. We do what we do because we are who we are. We're not trying to keep in step with the trends or the culture of the day. We've been given a plan and purpose and a command from God and we will carry it out to and for his glory. We are not going to be a church where we are all things to all men. What a misunderstood passage that is. We will not bend from what God has commanded so that this church will be filled. We're not trying to be new, novel, cutting edge, inventive. We are trying to, by the help of God, be faithful to God's word. We do what we do because we are who we are in spite of the popularity. In spite of the popularity and lack thereof. When God's people gather for worship, God, to worship God as he has commanded, God is with his people. And as we do what God has commanded, God is with us. We do what we do because we are who we are. Let's pray.